Welcome to the Self-Helpful Podcast. I'm Kevin Miller, and this is the podcast people tune into for in-depth discussions on the latest research from our foremost leaders in self-improvement, so you can be growing and more equipped to live at your fullest capacity in body, mind, and soul. Going without close relationships is like going without water. It dehydrates our life and ultimately will die a slow death of the soul. Yet when we rely on those relationships for our self-worth, we endure a similar death of the soul. It's like needing water for life, but drowning in it. This is part three of my focus on Melody Beattie, legendary author of Codependent No More. Here I'm with my frequent co-host and dear friend, Randy James, medical doctor and functional medicine expert, And we get real with how to grapple with this tension in our actual lives. I mean, a common perspective in close relationships, especially marriages and significant others, is a literal joining of lives where two become one. But how do we really translate this? Is it two separate lives joined to live a new life together? Or do the individuals actually disappear and all that exists are the lives in union? That's one issue. Another is just our self-worth and the health and necessity to have it in and of ourselves. We naturally look to others to tell us our worth, starting with our parents and early caregivers and on to schoolmates and teachers and authority figures. And ultimately, most of us land with a significant other uh, to devote to. And unfortunately, we often rely on them to give us all the affirmations and acceptance and approval we desire. Again, our self-worth. This is a recipe for failure. Then there's the issue of loving others. We all valiantly strive to serve and love others, yet generally miss loving ourselves. And can we truly love others more and beyond how much we love ourselves? It doesn't generally pan out this way. And this is our discussion today that we're grappling with. Hey, if you find value in this self-helpful podcast, it'd be great if you would leave a review. Some of you have left just incredible ones lately. Thank you so much. Uh, You can always find me, connect with me at my website or social media, kevinmiller.co. Best thing you can do is just keep talking about these issues. Talk about it with someone, discuss it, grapple with it like we do. Next up, Dr. Randy James and I grapple with this profoundly life-altering concept of devoting to relationships, but not depending on them for our self-worth. As is usually the case, we are standing here together after our, on Friday, after our uh, morning guys gathering at the coffee shop that we do. And we often end up talking about these topics. You had just listened to my show with Melody Beatty, and you brought up the term enmeshment. And especially in regards to marriage, and you said, in essence, well, isn't that the point? Is Aren't we supposed to mesh? Supposed to mesh. And you brought up that biblical aspect of a man is to leave his father and mother and Meet Cleaver, his wife. Meet Cleaver, his wife, (laughs) and cleave to his wife. And if you don't know the Bible, but that is a consummate thing, and that's a big part of Christian marriage, American Mm -hmm. marriage, I would say, too, is to to cleave. And we always associate that with, and you were kind of doing that with enmesh. And I was going, okay, wait. 
because we've looked at cleave and cleave can also mean to separate. So we could say that it's to separate from your mother, father, family of right. origin, upbringing, whatever. And now commit and mesh. Oh, well, I don't know <laughs> to this other person. Yeah. Which in this day and age is, you know, a significant other is what we're going to say. Yeah. And so you do that. So that makes sense. But how much do you, and we brought up that concept, that marital aspect of you've got two candles, right? In the marriage, you uh, take a stick and put that candle in there, light the middle one and blow the two out. That bothers me today. And so in the enmeshment. But did it back then? No. No. It was it was beautiful. It was glorious and mm-hmm. resolute and righteous. Did you guys do that? Probably. Not on the elopement. Uh, not on the elopement, but the <laughs> right. actual. Probably. I, I think so. I'd have to ask. Um, I don't remember. Gosh, but I, I don't. I can't remember if we did or not yeah. either, but it certainly would have. Many people were. And, and the idea is clear. The idea is there. Leave your family, cleave to one another. And two become one. To, and the two become one. And remember Nate DeConing's dad wrote that book? One plus one, one plus equals one. one. Equals, yeah. yeah. And, and it was a marriage book. And, and I think you and I are at the point where it's like, okay, I get it. But 25, 30 years later in a marriage, as is our culture today, because we are also in that phase of so many of our friends are in, well, all of us, you're going to go through valleys of a marriage, ups and downs. And one of the questions then is, especially in today's culture, even as we also think about our young people, who am I and what is self? And it does more meshing in over here equal less self. And that feels kind of bad or it feels confusing. Great way of saying it though, because that is getting to the essence of this codependent aspect. And as I wrote in the intro to my show with Melody, my, my initial show, which was episode 1069, and I pulled out those A's, approval, affirmation, attention, acceptance, those things. I mean, of course we want. I mean, you give me those. I mean, I, you're my friend mm-hmm. and you give me those things. And I, I just did a call with some people who want me to speak at an event and they were it's incredibly affirming. It felt mm-hmm. great. So we're human. There's no way that we don't like that. And that's great. And to some degree, it has some validity because there is some aspect of a you know, how am I coming across to other people? Am I providing value? And, and if I do, then, you know, I would expect some appreciation, some affirmation. And yet back to what you just said, we're looking at self. And so me, and this was part of my show with Melody at 51 years old, coming up on 52 and realizing how much of my self image, my personal identity and my piece thereof was associated with getting those things from other people, mm-hmm. specifically my wife, mm-hmm. but I would say my family from my friends. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm looking for those things. And Melody's over here going, man, that is just a recipe for some hardship. If it's totally dependent, if my self peace is dependent on those things from others, mm-hmm. that's codependency. And where she's coming over here and going, man, you've got to have some self love and affirmation and appreciation mm-hmm. in and of yourself. Now, as you heard her though, she's, she also has a hard time doing that outside of a, in essence, a God, but at least something bigger mm-hmm. going on. And, and a God. and I grew up, you know, you get that, you need to get that affirmation from, from God. I get that though. I still, 
there's some grappling there. Still, what about just me and of myself? Can I look in the mirror and be okay with Kevin? And if I can't, there's trouble brewing. This reminds me of the... So you and I grew up in the 80s. That was our high school, college kind of era. You remember the talk about self-esteem? Mm. No, not so much. I mean, yeah. I mean, that, that self-image, it's self-esteem, yeah. It seemed, it seemed like, oh, that person has a poor self-esteem, low self-esteem. Okay, right, like, right. Like, you need to esteem yourself more, better. It should come from yourself. And my dad also would kind of rail on that, you know, and, and so now here we are back with, well, if the second greatest commandment is to love others as I love myself, then we're still very confused on what love of self is or esteem of I, oneself. I would say there's far less love of self today, statistically. Uh, that yeah, diseases well, of despair. Are... Or is it because I, 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 would, I would push back on that because I think the, the bigger reality is not that we esteem ourselves too low. It's that we might be esteeming ourselves too high and we think we deserve more or easier or we're entitled and I'm, I'm not feeling like my back is rubbed to the level I want it to be rubbed. And therefore I'm perceiving my, I'm, I'm spinning it the, the negative way. Okay. Cause I'm going to push back or I'm going to question that, that that's, that's actually, that's interesting because entitlement specifically, I feel like we're at an all time high of entitlement. Is that out of higher self esteem or is it a victim mentality of then I'm entitled to give me, give me, give me. I need my rights taken. I need everybody to serve me, which I would think, man, if my high, if my self esteem is high, I don't need entitlement. I don't need. I'm not a victim. I'm responsible. I'm captaining my okay own. Okay, sh- in and of myself. Captaining my own ship. Because it's interesting, as you were first talking about self-esteem, I did start. It did start to ring some bells. And back then, eighties, nineties, whatever, I think it bumped up against pride. Is that what your dad was? Yeah, sensitive right. To? Like our esteem comes through God, and and of course, pride comes before the fall. Right? Like we cannot be prideful at all if we are standing in front of higher, bigger, greater power. And so. Huh. If our and, and, and Kevin, as so often is the time, we're going to come down to a bothness. Uh, we're going to come down to a relationship. No, that, we need a concrete, <laughs> definitive, certain answer, Randy. Gosh. Yeah. It's kind of like if you're going to be the general Eisenhower, dude, take command, take charge, boss people around and beat up the bad guys. Like we don't need mushy, gushy, something or other. If we're going to be teammates on a football team, don't share with me your feelings. Just. Yeah, you there's no place. There's no place for that. We got to perform. You got to perform. But if you're in a marriage, it, there's oh, a whole lot of place for I need to know and I need to be able to share feelings and receive feelings and and the back and forthness of that. Well, I'm going to play with marriage because I would say you and I have been in a marriage because it's gone further than just to be in mesh as business partners, especially business partners where it's a business of the heart of something that for we me want, and you, yeah, uh-huh. that we want to do, it's probably a disservice not to enter into those feelings. Those are affecting. I, 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 yeah, I, I would think to a degree. Compared to, if you go get a job at McDonald's, it's this much dollars per hour, and you do this. Just, it's just pull. Yeah, yeah do I don't care what your feelings are. Yeah. Um, 
Well, I, well I, I wanted to hit on self-esteem and pride. Uh, yeah. Today, I think we're going to bump up against narcissism. Oh, I esteem Ooh. myself. I'm not going to name names. What? Well, you had Jordan Peterson's book on the floor. Yeah. It was that? It's up there. 12. I was that. using that. We were looking at book covers for my book. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, his next book, which... 12 something more as I forget what the, I don't remember the, the title of the next book is. I heard him on an interview and I'm going to throw this word out because the guy asked him, what's the most threatening idea out there? If ideas have consequences, what's, and you know what he said? Narcissistic compassion. Uh, explain Meaning, that. I'm going to care for you in a way that helps me, but I'm going to make you think that it's all about you, but it's really about me. It's almost like the text I sent you about my friend who said, all y'all out there on Facebook who disagree with me, just unfriend me. Right? Like narcissistic. I don't even like that thought because I'm afraid that. Oh, it'll it'll hit you when when you think about it. A friend of mine said, I resemble that remark. (laughs) (laughs) Is is narcissistic compassion. So it's a self. That's so hard, man. Because I struggle with anybody being completely selfless. That's okay, hard. let me let okay. me add one more word on there. All right, unaware narcissistic compassion. You yeah. don't even know that you're doing it. You're you're the most dangerous person out there yeah, because okay. you're going to work hard for something that you think is right, but it's it's only right for you, and you can't. But you th- you're making everybody else think that it's right for them, but you're not aware that you are. And I would and I would say in my unawareness, I have done that, and it's and gone, we all have. And it's manipulation it, and yeah. whatever. And now I'm. <laughs> Coming out of that, it's disconcerting, and I'm questioning. Well, and I would say hats off to you. Well, well your wife not might not say that, right? Like, you guys will need to be able to do that better with each other. Yeah. But the way you've done that with me was stepping back and saying, gosh, remember two years ago when I said that thing, and it just kind of, that was narcissistic. Well, I know, I, but I told you it. So in our partnership, no different than in my marriage, I kept things from you, hard things, especially. Theoretically for my benefit. But, but for me, mm-hmm. yeah, I didn't want you to be feathers ruffled because then, then we got to figure it out, right? Yeah, we got to have here, our I conversation, just, and I just want peace, <laughs> yeah. or, or or I just want to take care of my peace well, in our time. Yeah, do you remember? What that's, yeah, what was that? That is Neville Chamberlain, and it led to World War II. Goodness, well, there we go. Great, there we go. All right, okay. Well, well so again, we're back to that. So if we look at self-esteem. Self-image. Something I said years ago is I was looking at somewhat to my kids and other people and going, man, do things every day that make you proud of yourself. Hmm. And I saw how much, you know, like people who really, gosh, people who come in here to your practice and change their lives, they're, they're, their self-image goes up. Their mm-hmm. pride in themselves goes up. So I meant that in a good way. Now, a lot of people have a baggage with that word mm-hmm. pride. Mm-hmm. And it was Tom Ziegler who said, okay, how about try self-approval? That I approve mm-hmm. of, my, do the things that give myself, mm-hmm. and that I find that. So, can I look for again the A's? The and I've got them sitting in front of me: approval, affirmation, attention, acceptance, self acceptance, self affirming, self. Yeah, in in a good way because that that could go into the wrong extremes. True, true. Because if I say, you know what, I'm a jerk, and I'm going to accept myself, well fine, but don't come near me. But to say, look, man, I am, I am okay. I, I am at some peace with myself. I know that my heart's good. 
my intent is good. I am, I got I need to strive to serve you well mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. to, to try to serve you in ways that matter to you. And I want to do that. And it's not just an, I am what I am, but I've got to be able to look in the mirror and to some degree feel like, man, I'm, I'm, I'm making a good effort here. I'm okay with me, even in my deficits. How about the word worth? Sure. Self-worth. Self-worth. And, and, and aren't we, uh, even this morning we said, we can't even use the word love in our culture anymore. But aren't we peeling back the layers of what the command means with love others as you, lo- as you love yourself? It is uh, to Marcy in, uh, with choices and with the devastation of what's going on with young teens. Well, hold, hold, clarify that for the people who don't know. So his wife works at a crisis pregnancy center, which is literally if that building yeah. wasn't there, we used to be able to see it. Uh, it's right down the road and it is full of primarily young women uh, who are well? It's tragic story. Un, un, unplanned pregnancy, and yeah, but it's mostly tragic stories, right? It's and and she just. I guess I won't name the town that's close to us, where there's well, lots it's of mo- casinos and yeah, and and so the the young women there. I, I want to say it's it's unplanned pregnancies, but they're the result most of them of unplanned trauma. Yes, the stories you day tell me are, tra- out are tra- tragic. Trauma. Yeah, yeah. just. And I forgot where I was going. Well, oh, self-worth. Yeah. And and so Marcy and even, you know, we taught our sex ed over here in our high school. And and it was my turn to, it was my phrase of saying, you know, if you value yourself, if you feel like you're worthy of respect. Now, I'm saying that as, well, of course you do. But there are women, uh, women and young men too that are like, well, I'm not. My, my dad tells me I'm not all the time. I'm kind of feeling convicted that I we got to re, we, we got to rephrase that. But she constantly is just telling story after story of they've they've been taught they're unworthy uh-huh. of love or acceptance or any of these things. And so, We're, I want to, and that that is more. I mean, to be true, it, it's people coming in the door are, are women primarily. On the other side, I would say the guys are often taught they have to earn that worth. That's where I came from. So I didn't suffer mm-hmm. from being told I was not worthy. You were worth less, but you still have to earn. I, well, and I embraced that at least. I'm yeah, not going to say for it was forced, but I embraced that I have to earn that worth. Either way, we don't authentically have it looking in the mirror. And your statement of love others as you love yourself, the way, the thing I want to do is flip it and go, if you want to love others, you can't well, if you don't love yourself. Crap. That's convicting. Ouch. Yeah. And, and we're back. I think we're going to wind our ways back to the bigger that if worth comes from the color of your skin or where you were born or whatever, then there's always going to be a cultural opinion of you. Oh gosh. Now you're getting into muddy waters. Cause you and I standing here as six foot tall, American white males, but we you benefit from a lot of cultural worth. Yes. I'm, and you're not going to stand on that. Right, like you're not going to go try to get a job based on being a white man. No, I'm just aware of it, though. I was absolutely. I was so I was somewhere recently, and I just walked in and asked for something. I can't remember it was a business thing or something, or not a business, a place of business, but some place. And I walked in and just said something, and they just 
took me at face value with total trust and respect. And I got X, Y, Z and we walked out and I was just to point it out to the kids. So a couple of my Aaron kids says, you see what just happened? That happened because I am a six foot tall American white male. And I smiled and I know how to appeal to people. And they just totally trusted me. Yep. It was like a bank or something. And I said, there's a gigantic amount of people that do, that are not that those things. And they do not get that. And I don't need to feel guilty for that. And I'm telling, and I think one, it was one of my sons too. You don't need to feel guilty for that, but to realize be that, aware. yeah, be aware that it's a great privilege. What can you do with that? How can you serve others with that? Realize not everybody has that. And, you know, we live in a cultural time where people who have been oppressed yeah. are now, and I don't really understand the argument of saying, well, now we, we have to turn the tables and force uh, force and a judgment or an opinion based on an oppressed either sex or race or height or whatever and say, well, because you're four foot nine, we're going to give you these things to, you know, make you feel more worthy of yourself. And I said, well, that's not right either because the value of a human is the bigger. If, if we are image bearers of God, uh, that is the value uh, of human. So regardless yeah, if- of race, age, sex. I, if, yeah, I'm with you. Now, if you're talking to some aspect affirmative action for those who weren't given equal opportunity, I get that. Uh, We're getting into a whole other yeah, segment gosh, of things. Yeah. I, I, well, yes, and I get the heart behind it. Yeah. And there has also been woundedness on both sure, sides. Sure, sure. Somebody got a position at a school job place that they might not have been well prepared for and somebody else that didn't who was perfectly well prepared for it even though that came from right. privilege right and and there's a hundred years a thousand years of history going back you're getting into water i'm not forever. wise enough to well but yeah. it's our cultural waters that i think informs our discussion about codependency because affirmative yeah. action is a kind of codependency well it, it, we again, have the ec- pros and the cons and we have economic and whatnot yeah yeah, gosh, this can get really, really deep. <laughs> at, at codependency, that's Code, our topic. Okay. Yep. Melody Beatty and and looking at that and going, how do I not be codependent? And as you heard on her thing, the thing that she kept coming back to is, well, self love. I was going to say you with yourself. Yeah, you with yourself. How do you, man? And I kind of want to hit on that because I've been thinking. I keep mulling it over since I talked with her and thinking about that. And you know, you want to look in the mirror and say, I am okay with me. Okay. Um, I'm also, but I should still go exercise. I'm, and I still have things that I want to be better. I still have things that I do that hurt and harm people or don't serve them to the best. I want to grow in that. And that there's now we're back to Randy James Bother that yeah. I want to say, how can I be okay? I need to be okay and at peace with myself. Cause if I'm not, and it's dependent on another person or even circumstances, I'm a victim. So I'm the best way for me to serve you and my wife and my kids, and whatever is to be okay with me. Even as I also say, and I want to improve because I feel a responsibility that I need to in order to serve others well. Okay. Um, yeah, and can we not also say that that also brings in the, the something is larger outside of yourself. Um, that there is, and, if, and through our lens, we'd say, well, God loves you. You can't earn any more love from God. Okay. And God loves you so much that there's no way he's going to leave you where you are. Because you can be better. 
but through all lenses, you could manage your wealth better, your time better, your skin better, your liver better, your marriage better, your fatherhood better. Yeah. Is anybody perfect in any area? No. And so I am at 50, almost five coming to the point where I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm becoming more okay with that. The botherness of for the next five minutes. And, and Melanie also kept saying meditation, like we're back to Pascal. We just can't sit with ourselves in a room for 15 minutes and be okay. Uh-huh. We just can't do it. And our kids, especially with phones and whatever else we can get our self value through entertainment or whatever. Can I schedule a five minute meeting with myself to say self you're okay. Just for five minutes, we're going to be okay. And then for the next 24 hours a day, based out of your okayness, which for you and I, we already have an education and a business and a family. And out of that, I don't need to go start another family. Uh, We're just going to grow this family. I'm going to grow my education. I'm going to grow my business. I'm going to grow, hopefully, also my love and kindness and caring and compassion. and, And then maybe, you know, take a piano or French lessons or whatever to keep growing is goodness. Okay. You just reminded me of something though, because we were just talking about a friend and that friend, when you asked them about fasting and you said, what are your thoughts with fasting? And he said, terror, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. This concept of looking in the mirror and being okay with me. And you just mm. brought up Pascal. So Pascal, and he said, one of man's greatest, uh, demo- the problem with mankind is that he cannot, sit in a room alone for 15 minutes. And he was referring to, I think uh, you probably extrapolate it to a few things to our tendency just to be busy and to fill our time and not be at, you know, stop and be still and be present. And I think the other to be at peace with oneself on that note, I'm thinking how many people that I'm not including me at, at times of life or at times, you know, moments of any time are to look in the mirror at ourselves and to consider ourselves is terrifying. Yeah. And I'd rather just be busy and fill my time and not have to and think about pain I might feel. Yeah. Revisit trauma I've had, disappointments uh, I have with myself. It's terrifying. That, that so uh, it, true life medicine that's the first question. And it's the first homework question and we caveat it or preamble it by saying this could be terrifying for you to define what is true life. Kevin Miller. For you at 52. Especially if you don't like what? where you're, if I'm, truth is not what I'm doing. I mean, I, right, if, if yeah. someone were to say, it is not what I'm doing today. Right. Uh, I don't want to face that. I, right. That's Just the last thing. Let Just me know, medicate, me entertain. Pill. Yeah. Um, and I think you and I probably are very unaware as to how many people that really is. I'm more aware now, as I mentioned before, the diseases of despair. So, in chronic illness disease, the world that Dr. Randy James lives in, if you look at the stats on chronic illness and disease, and if you look at whatever it's diabetes or heart disease or cancer or whatever, what we read not long ago or at some point was one of the fastest growing segments of that, not the biggest, but the fastest growing segments was diseases of despair, which mm-hmm. is depression, anxiety, anxiety, even PTSD and on up to suicide, uh, OCD, the suicide level, the opioid crisis, all of these are are related or accidental suicide, which is what the opioid, Uh you know, these people are running from pain and maybe to some degree anxiety or fear from pain, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's very, very, very 
multiple threads in there. Goodness. Of, well, could, and couldn't you say then disease of despair to some degree is almost a disease of self-esteem or lack there sure, of self right. or self-worth uh, or a misunderstanding of self. Okay. So let me also, cause another one yeah. of our friends, uh, Patrick and, and how we've been talking about, uh, in that disease of despair, one of the great ones is you could be very well off according to worldwide standards, even and all the one percenters. And then you and I say, well, yeah, but I can't think of that economy of, you know, somebody in Ethiopia only gets $10 a day, but I, I don't know what that means. Yeah. Right. Like, and, and if I make more money than that, then, okay, am I in the 1%? But, uh, in America, so let's just talk in our economy, in America, even amongst the well-off, let me ask you this question. Where, How high up would you say that the worry of finances is for the general person? For those who are very well-off? Or not. I, or not. I'd say it's probably higher. Than yeah, like very, very high. Amongst all segments. Because if you have a million, you're worried about keeping your million. And you're very worried. And if you don't have a million, you're either worried about making a million or, and so whether you're at the poverty level or a millionaire, you can be super stressed out about your money. Haven't you? I've experienced that. Of course. I I, I remember when I didn't have money and I'm worried about paying the mortgage and think everything will be better. And then when I've had more money, I'm worried, am I going to keep it? Can I sustain it? (laughs) Right. It feels good to have an extra little buffer in the bank. And then when you use it, it's like, ah. That feels a little yeah, wrong. No, I'm not trying to make having money be equal to not having money. So I'm not minimizing anybody's Not at struggle. all. What we're doing is we're maximizing the, your own perspective of where you are. Mm. And, and my point there is to say that even amongst the theoretically socioeconomic high whatever, the amount of worry and anxiety and stress can be just as high as with anybody else. And that's why when... Uh, also in that book that you won't hurry up and finish reading on the comfort crisis is, uh, there's a chapter in there on happiness. And we've talked about that before. And I think you kind of referenced the Netherlands or, uh, you know, Denmark is maybe the happiest place. And in the top, not the Netherlands, it's, it's not, uh, it <laughs> I think was, it was Denmark. No, is it? Okay. But he references, uh, Bhutan. Yeah. Which is a very, very poor country. He, so you're he, talking uh, about Dan Buettner. No, no, no. Comfort crisis. Uh, Oh, uh, I forgot. Uh, I forgot. Yeah. Uh, Michael Easter. Yeah. Come for crisis. And, um, well, just that. Like, sometimes money is the crisis. The comfort of money creates yet another crisis that you have to deal with okay. that puts more stress on yourself. And as a millionaire, you could have very poor self esteem because you can't, ha- can't hang out with the 10 million. Well, gosh, we know that. I mean, I, I, I know, and you do too, millionaires who the reason they have the million is to try to medicate that self-esteem Perhaps. Through, through performance. No different. Perhaps. I know athletes sure. are doing the same thing and, you know, gosh, we have so many people. Um, yeah. Like you like me. were way up on the athletic scale, but you still could have been depressed that you never beat Lance Armstrong. I beat him. Or you could maximize your self-national championships, and I saw him wreck right beside me, and I did beat him then. <laughs> so I can don't always, ever forget. No, somehow a story got misconstrued. It's in one of my kids' yearbooks uh, talking about dad being a professional cyclist that was in the Tour de France and beat Armstrong. The way it was construed, because I was not in the Tour de France, and I surely didn't beat Lance Armstrong in the Tour de France. But anyways, not enough drugs. Yeah, I, I want to come back to you saying. You know, on purpose, having as far as having a purpose and you and talking about the Mm -hmm. higher power to look at my self-esteem 
outside of other people. If I, and I think I didn't dig into this piece of it with melody, but as she looks at, or her statement was to not be codependent. She doesn't understand it outside of the economy of a higher power or a God. And I, have been mulling over that. And even as we talk about it now to think, gosh, yeah, if we do not, and this isn't a pitch for spirituality necessarily, but if there's not something else, if it is just us, we're just happenstance evolution and worm food, then what, what do I have to draw from to have self worth and self approval? Mm. It would seem all I have is other people. So again, if I, even if I take the pitch out for spirituality, even if I say I am a, a scientist that does not believe in anything outside of science and I don't believe in that, I could see the problem with, as a matter of fact, I heard somebody talk recently who was on the side of non-spirituality and they said, you know what? I do wish that I had some of the peace that those mm-hmm, spiritual mm-hmm. religious people had, because I could see that in times of trouble to think that you're not on your own. He mm-hmm. said, I, he was really compa- uh, I knew, I know it was, it was Andy Norman, the mm-hmm. author uh, of, of uh, uh, brain, uh, uh shoot uh like a virus in your brain or yep. protect your brain from the viruses of bad ideas yes uh-huh i'll come up i'll come up with the, the title anyways it was that and you had to look at that and go if you do not have a belief in something else a higher purpose a higher power then it's very difficult to say me myself and i i have self-worth self approval, uh, we would be more apt, it would seem, to go find that from others. We need somebody to tell us, to to testify to us, mm. to say whether we are, which again, that feels like a both or thing there, because even in health, there is some aspect of some validity, it feels like, of how we do come off to other people. Meaning if I, fa- if I found total peace I'm just playing with this now. In but if I felt, yourself. if I, if I theoretically woke up one morning in total peace and yet everybody testifies that I'm a jerk, that's hard. That's hard to well, that's be at peace with. Not if you're a jerk <sighs> because you don't care. Okay. Yeah. And that's where we would say, well, the only entity that has total self-worth in and of themselves is God. Like that is one of God's attributes is self non-need anything else-ness. Yeah. And we are born, we got to eat. We, you know, we're back to, what do you, what do I have to have? Do I have to have your opinion of me on, on a good side? Mm-hmm. And well, no, I'm not going to die if you think ill of me, but you and I would say, well, yeah, but our, our lives are going to be less full, less rich, less of these other kind of things. And, it's a paradox, isn't it? Uh, yes. I mean, we're talking about a paradox. We're talking about here we are as humans. Where do we find purpose and meaning of life in community, in connection, in relationship with other people? I mean, that's, I, I had somebody on the show and that was our, our talk. That was their findings. And so if we say that, cause yeah, who wants to live in a world where we wake up tomorrow and nobody exists? What the heck is the point? I mean, we, and yet over here, Melody is saying, yeah, but when we rely on others, another person or others for our or only rely on others. Okay. Okay. Is okay. Is that fair? Yeah. Maybe so. I mean, yes. I, I, I'm, I'm going to use your word paradox with okay. the author of both and to say 
that, that that interface, the paradox of needing others and desiring to be self-worthy yeah. in and of self, not yeah. because I can you know bench press 25 pounds, but Gosh, th- yeah, that, there, that paradox is that space of, of where we meet God. Okay, what you said is a big deal there. It is so difficult in our culture, or maybe just, I should just say in humanity, to associate our self-worth outside of what we have or have not done. Oh, yeah. If I yeah. have done bad things, if I have done mm-hmm. great things, if I just haven't done much of anything, how do I base my yeah. self-worth? That's where we understand it. And and it's almost such a mind bender to take that away and say, no, I, and this com- maybe this comes back to the higher purpose. Would as a father, would I look to, gosh, and I'm so sorry for the people who had this happen. Uh, but for me as a father looking to my kids, is there any of them, you with your kids, would you, was there any of them that could do anything where you would say, you know what? You are not worth anything. You are a worthless human being. I don't know how parents do that. It's such a bad reference to themselves. I don't know how they did it, but I would. Mm. And so it, as a, somebody who believes in a God to think, is there God, would he make anyone who he disapproved of who he said, there's no worth or value. And I think I just, you can't, mm. I don't think you can do that. I, by definition, by definition. Right. Yeah. yeah. You, even again, as my, my understanding as a parent, by definition, I, I don't have the right nor the concept that any of my kids would be worthless. I think right. they're um, uh, amazing. They're worthful. They're worth. Yeah. They're, they're worth full. They're worth your while. They're worth your effort and time and love. Yeah, right. Which, which then, that that is the foundational building block of well. Then you eating, living, thinking, breathing uniquely with each child, growing and being in relationship with them. The place to take that then is then we look at people who we don't like, who we do not approve of. And we do, would we, can we think that they're worthy of their own self-worth? Can we look at, you sent me something today that had, and it's some big fad right now is Jeffrey Dahmer. Mm -hmm. Apparently it's the number one Netflix ever. Okay. So Jeffrey Dahmer, the guy who killed and ate people. Mm, Yeah. Uh, And yeah, I don't know why it's so popular right now. And I've seen some talk about the dangers of what they're seeing around the topic of him and what he did and the acceptance of that and and yada, yada. Anyways, it's a guy who I'm going to say had a mental illness, killed people and and ate them. Should he have, does he have the right for any self-worth or is he just Satan, evil, whatever? And I'm saying that as an exaggeration of where we look at ourselves and other people and think, again, you've got to earn or be, be told by others. Right. And at least I'm nicer than Hitler. I guess, I guess. And you know, yeah. nobody who's, I hope nobody listening to this is, you know, Jeffrey Dahmer and is doing that to people. But again, to look yeah, at, but, but what this is going to go into the both of us. We, we tend and, and actually, yeah, as we're looking at culture, and there's a fascination now with true crime, which is the Jeffrey Dahmer thing, and all your podcasting. Like number oh, one is always so yeah, it's huge. Yeah, and and the theory might be well, at least we think better of ourselves because we're thinking, well, at least I don't do that. Okay, but how much, like you said, how much worth 
do you have if you can at least do a push-up or at least eat some carrots and not all Hot Pockets or at least, you know, love your wife or at least don't hit her three times a day or at least you write like everybody's got this, you know, scales in their head, heart. Uh, comparison. Comparison. So that, that's just it. So there's what a gigantic, I would have to think that we are at an all-time high of danger of yeah. our self-worth because we are at the all-time high of exposure of comp- to comparison. To compare, because it's innate on our phones and whatever. There's always somebody yeah. better. Or, or worse. I shouldn't say better. <laughs> Depends. Do, doing things above what we're doing. There's somebody more who, interesting than you. Or, or even, or I, I struggle, not struggle, but I try to hold, there's somebody who has less going for them, uh, more going against them, who is doing a better job with it than I am. With, and there always is. So, and that's hard well, to my ego. It, uh, but it is less hard when you consider that God is still going to look at them through his lens of them only and not comparing them to you because everybody has a line right down the middle of their heart of their own good or evil. The line between good and evil is not socioeconomic or race or, or Soviet Union or democracy. Or, uh, it is it is right down the middle of every human heart. Gosh, so we're yeah. all on the spectrum. I, I, I can't not look at it again without the eyes of a parent, of a father. And I have two sons right now, and we were talking about on this morning, and one who is out there doing everything, man. He's involved with school and academics and uh, social stuff and job and whatever. And another son, 15 months younger, who is not doing as many things and is struggling with his self-worth in comparison. And of course I'm looking at him and going and realistically, he's incredibly smart. He has so much capacity and whatever. Right now he's not making certain decisions, but if you look at self-worth as according to what you do, not who you are, culture is going to value one of them over the other. Yeah. And I could see why he would look and go, yeah, I'm not, I I don't like myself. I don't, you as father don't value one over the other. That was my point. And and coming back to the higher purpose, the higher power, God is God does not value. And I'm looking at him going, dude, I just, I just, I don't know what to tell you. I don't love you less uh, because you're not doing X, Y, Z. And, but isn't it the kicker that his heart values himself yes. less and there were at the because he's perceiving uh-huh and my so, culture values me less and so his propensity to go out and seek some approval kind affirmation of, yeah, whatever A's, from someone yeah. else is higher or i'd put another a in there the opposite is apathy if don't care not, yeah uh, that you just medicate with yeah that he would something. go the other way and just decide he doesn't care stay on the couch and it's, it's less costly, but man, our human condition and what is intuitive is if I want to feel better about myself, I need to go out and do the things that make me feel. And man, I get, I can't, I can't separate from that, Randy. I, no, I can't separate yeah. from it, even though I'm still feel called to look in the mirror. And I, if I can be, you, you can't separate from it. And I don't think that God wants you to separate from it. <clears throat> he, it is not meaningless. Then if do you I go out there and be mean? Like you're going to, you know, God is going to say, Hey, stop that. And there's the whole 10 commandments that, you know, ultimately come down to, you know, love and treat God the right way and love and treat yourself and other humans the right way. And, and then we get to do all that through marriage and money and fatherhood and sonship. 
and we could always be a little, we're back to our very first phrase. Your son could be a little bit better. And you, you would not be a very good dad if you didn't encourage him down that pathway. And you would also not be a very good dad if you said, why can't you be like your brother? Which so many of us grew up under. Or at least did you, the implication of that. I don't know if I said it in the show. Did you hear in the show when Melody said, uh, it's one of the questions I ask in my intake form for guests, you know, any regrets and big regrets. And she only listed one. And she says, I mainly regret all the years I spent ragging on myself. Hmm. And I did hear that, and I thought, yeah, what, what, is the, what is the good in that? Calling myself to more is different than ragging, ragging. Yeah. on myself. And you know, look, I, you, something you just said there made me think of, you know, do I look in the mirror and go, okay, I'm good with myself, but I'd be gooder with myself if I did X. How can we get to, it feels like that's, there's enlightenment, however you want to, that term, arriving, you know, is... I, I I think Jesus said this all the time too. If he was a smart guy, he said, "Well, you've heard it said this way, but what I'm saying is, you know, gooder, mm-hmm. infinitely, and you're never there, and you would be a fool to build your house on I'm okay, and you would be a wise person if you built your house over here on I could be becoming a little bit more okay." And I, I, like you said, the most, the, uh, the biggest feedback that Ziegler ever got of testimonials of help was, was his affirmation stuff, which totally blows me away. Cause I was never grown up under that. It was never self. You're okay. It was always self. You could be a little bit better. Mm-hmm. And, and so that's kind of confusing a paradoxical botherness there of, well, again, we're back to, you know, God loves you so much. You can't earn more but he demands every effort mm-hmm. and we just, we get to be in relationship with ourselves and our spouses and our kids to help well, flesh that out. And, and that is, you know, you brought me to that perspective. I don't know how many years ago, when we think of the word relationship, we think about it as human to human and, or even relationship with self. You talked about relationship with everything. We have a relationship with our food, yeah. with our exercise, with our environment, with our culture, with the town we live in, with the sports teams that we mm-hmm. associate with, with the clothes we wear, the mm-hmm. brands we we have uh, a relationship. And this one, the relationship with self, we keep coming back to. If I did a survey of all the books on the shelf behind me and the people I've had, 200 plus now people on the show, and how many of them come back to the relationship with self and how mm-hmm. things changed for them for the better mm-hmm. when they reconciled the relationship mm-hmm. with themselves. I've seen a lot of quotes these days of, can you be okay with not being okay mm-hmm. even, mm-hmm. you know, uh, which is, is great. Cause we're never going to be never gonna be perfectly okay. Old self, new self, uh, you know, you're, 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 you're never exactly the same as you were, and you're always becoming who you're going to be. And we're back to paradox, right? Like the words start getting really weird, and believing is seeing. And you know, in therapy, which I told you, I saw a new counselor, another counselor yesterday, and so often they end up with me of saying, Kevin, you've, you know, can you have compassion? And I and I've read this in a couple of books lately of people who said, um, can I have compassion for the self that I was, the things that I did that I regret, mm-hmm. compassion for the things that happened to me, even the, and of course I, I didn't have a, 
a ton of this, but you know, the traumas that happened to me have compassion for those broken people. And can I have compassion for who I have been, the mistakes that I have made. And I've been called out on that a lot lately as I've continued to pursue leaders in these fields where I'll cite something. I had somebody on a show recently. I don't know who it was. It's not the first one too, who I said something. They said, Hey, don't talk about yourself that way. You don't you have to, but you made a mistake. It's the best you knew at that time. Yeah. Here I'm smiling right now because you know how at True Life Medicine, we do these challenges every now and then. Mm-hmm. So, um, uh, so our November challenge was do a hard thing, and in light, and we're going to go over a book in January, the Comfort Crisis. But you know what February is going to be? Uh, thinking down the Valentine's pathway. Mm-hmm. And so Kristen offered this as a suggestion. She's our health coach, and when she first said it, I thought, eh, pff, whatever. And then, like you just said, then it hit me in the solar plexus. And the challenge is to write a love letter to yourself. And I have never, in fact, it makes me repulsed right now to even think I would sit down to write a love letter to okay. me. Any, any therapist worth their salt would say, hmm, Randy, repulsed. Wonder, that's yeah. a big word. That's a strong, hmm, what's going on there? Well, I think the same thing of a lot of us that I, I don't have compassion for my former self. I think he's stupid. And I'm, you know, which, I'm trying also, to work which on means this. that, which means that you're setting yourself up. This is so Ben Hardy, uh-huh. be your I'm future setting, self yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. And you're setting yourself up for five years. You're going to be yeah. repulsed at who you are right this yeah, second. I'm, I'm building repulsion. Yeah. I'm not building peace, reconciliation. Uh, and I'm convicting myself even as the, I say the, And right, I'm saying that's what's most convicting to me to say that if you are repulsed with who, you're so, with, with who you were five years ago, then you're going to be repulsed with yourself now, five years from now. So you yeah. just set yourself up to be screwed. Yeah. And, and then, by the same token, why wouldn't Marcy be frustrated with me if I'm frustrated with me yeah. or my kids? Well, I was, that's where I was going next. Coming back to the love, you know, the biblical mandate of love your, love your neighbor as yourself seems irrelevant. It seems yeah, it's, like that's well, a stupid, impossible, impossible today. Yeah. That's a dumbest statement ever because we have more and more and more and more people who do not love themselves, which is why they can't love their neighbor yeah. and look at the vitriol we have yeah. in yeah. culture right now with it's, it's probably yeah, the vitriol in culture is probably a deep self-reflection. Yeah. And when here, I get my panties in a wad about something mm-hmm. these days, thank goodness, my awareness goes up. It's like a red mm-hmm. flag. If mm-hmm. I get my panties in a wad, what's that say about me? Mm-hmm. And that, you know, that... that that's rare, Kevin. We're back what? to... The, the awareness? You, yeah, the awareness. Well, I, Look at what I get to do. Think, yeah. oh, where would you I? You got do? a lot of work to do. I Kevin, get the best but. of the best, and I'm still only this far. Uh, but to, but to look at yeah the cultural aspect of what you even that there's that quote about I wish I could give it credit, but that quote about what you say about other people criticize criticism negativity says more about you than about them. Yeah, Amanda, if, look, if we could have our leaders talk yeah. this way. Oh my gosh, the politics, the social oh. media, the headlines. Yeah. So here's. G.K. Chesterton, you know, that name. So my favorite quote from him. So he was, you know, reporters are yelling at him and one finally gets in there and says, you know, what is the main problem with the world? I am. I I was going to say me. Yeah. 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 If that's your first response all the time, it'd be a different world. And that one always hit me too. uh, What is the main problem with the world? I am. And what is the main problem with the world? It's the way that I see it from my own filter. That again says a lot more about me than the culture. And what's the solution? What? I'm asking you the next question. Okay, what's the problem with the world? You are. So what's the solution? Work, work on, on me. me. Yeah. 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 Work, well, gosh, but work on me. 
And be okay with yourself be, for five minutes. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, and it's, it's the paradox. It makes me see, see more. Cow. I was thinking a minute ago about Colin O'Brady's 12 hour walk, which, mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm, I'm not going to hold that up as some magic thing that you got to go walk 12 hours or that you even have to but walk. To be alone with yourself for 12 it's hours just, would be. Well, where you, can you got Pascal back in yeah. 1850, whatever it was saying we can't the back then. Yeah. Couldn't be alone with ourselves for 15 minutes. Can we get to the place of, conceiving of compassion for ourselves to be okay with ourselves. If we want to fix other people, if we want to fix the world, if we want to fix the problems, the place to start is, can I just first be, it doesn't make the problems go away. It doesn't minimize them at all. But if I'm not, I was going to, I was about to say healthy and whole. I don't even know if can, if we can conceive of that. I don't well, let people say those words. Okay. We don't folks. So <laughs> throw those out but just be okay with not being okay. So we're not going to be okay. We can't be perfect. We've always got room to grow and stuff, but we, if we feel called and responsible as unto others, if I'm going to serve Randy, my buddy, well, or my wife or my kids, I I can't love them beyond how I can. That's, that sucks. I can't love them beyond how I can love myself. I have got to be okay hard with myself and I can't be the worst. I am not, the worst of these, the least of these, I am not totally broken and totally worthless. Maybe that I cannot be worthless. So I have to have some worth. Can I rest in that to some degree and take a deep breath and look in the mirror and say, man, I'm, I'm, uh, you know, you're not a bad guy. You're trying. Yes, you can do that for five minutes Mm -hmm. and make it be real and yeah, you're not a bad guy and you could be a better guy. And it, there is no landing. And every place. five there's, minutes there's, I there's, spend will get me closer, closer to melodies of being, not being dependent on another for my self-worth, which I, I feel like that's a, at the core of this being codependent. Are we, do we need to be dependent and interdependent? And we can play with those words with other people. We can't exist and don't want to outside of other people. And there are connections to them, but can we find worth in and of ourselves well, now we're back to the higher power thing. Yeah. Because. Uh, Which is why I think she said she could. I, I wasn't she, ex- she said, I can't think this way without. without I know. That. And, I, and I wasn't expecting and I, would, I, I do think that's an apologetic for God. But it's interesting. To me, I, you heard me say on the show probably uh, that I, it was so interesting that that correlates to AA. Alcoholics Anonymous. When I first uh, heard about, it was through our buddy Todd. Yeah. I, I had no association with Alcoholics Anonymous or Overcomers or all that kind of stuff. So our buddy Todd, it became a leader in in that, in leading the Overcomers group. And when I found out through him, the AA had a, by proxy, they just include a God, not a religion, but a God. I didn't know that. I figured it would be kind of a set aside. We don't, we're not going to enter into that. This is just about, but that they couldn't really conceive of this freedom from quitting alcohol well or any or anything saying, well it's a like we're you said, back to the self-medication it's, it's a codependence it i is am a dependent on alcohol yeah. and you can say For that i'm dependent worth. on yeah. sex i'm dependent on sugar amazon uh, on, on amazon <laughs> yeah. on on uh, twitter or great or job tiktok what are these things that we're dependent on and without them we are not okay and it comes back to you saying hey i've got a relationship with everything with us it was or, or with when you first brought it up was with wine and questioning, I don't think I'm out of control. I don't think I'm addicted, but let's make sure and, and not do it for a while and see how my relationship is. Is it something that's just a a nice additive and spice of life or can I not be okay 
without it. And you did the mm-hmm. same thing with, can I be okay and have a nice time in the morning without coffee? Mm-hmm. That's hard. Mm-hmm. But can I, or is it, or am I codependent on it? Mm-hmm. I want and it. We're in the paradox of ultimately you are codependent upon that water you're drinking right now. Without it, eventually you die. There is a radical dependency on some things, food, water, shelter, even other humans, right? Like uh, isolation is the worst form of torture. True. Well, don't let somebody sleep is even first, right? Like if you're going to torture and break somebody, you put them in isolation, don't let them sleep. They're broken in a day or two. They're crazy in three days and they're dead in five days if you don't let them sleep. So we are, we have dependency. We are not God. We cannot exist in and of ourselves. Well, and now, which is why we're back segmenting this into self. I, we, we have today at least self-worth, self-worth. Am I of worth with an depending well, on another to tell me I am a human? Yeah, uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, well, a human, a possession. Uh, Do I have self-worth without... Some other thing, not God, telling you. Yeah, that without a person telling me that I'm worth, without my possessions and me yes, being able to look yes. at them, or my, my bank account, oh, okay, I got that much in there. I have worth without it. I don't. Do I have self-worth without my um, physical abilities, my athleticism? Mm, that's oh, a, do that's not a big take, one. I don't want to lose that, man. I, I don't hardly know who... I wouldn't know who I am. Yeah. yeah. This is an exercise we did... It was for Air Force officership. And and the question was, name one feature about yourself that defined you. What's the first thing in your head? Well, a bunch of guys. I know where they would go, but um, Um, first feature about myself? Like a physical feature mm -hmm. or or an attribute? Uh, A feature, a physical feature. Goodness. And okay. in the military, one of the things, what, and so kind of the point was short hair. That's what he was thinking. He thought people were going to say, mil, you know, uniform, short hair. Yeah. Um, and uh, so this was me. I was probably 34, something like that. And, you know, we've shared before on, on, on my family and how things have, have evolved over time. But my, my state, what I wrote down was thinness huh. or not overweightness. That if you took that away from me, if I became the person that was overweight, like I, even thinking about it right now, I, I, you know, not to shame somebody who is overweight or struggling with it, but by proxy, I am shaming them, right? Like, because that is where I perceive some value of myself. And same with, you could say money, you could say your hair length, you could say back 200 years ago, or even, sorry, you know, short, long, black, white, or whatever color, like value of like, holy cow. And that for us is like, I can't conceive of somebody, Yeah, but we do it all the time. That is interesting though, to take away. You take that away. Like you and you lost your hand in mountain biking. And if you're thinking for the rest of forever, oh, you're not, you're a, a schmuck mountain biker. You can't even do it. You would be a different Kevin. Uh, you would not, now we could, you would not be less of a human. You're just. I would replace it. I'd find. I, you would. I, well, I would. right. I'm You've not saying it's right, wrong, healthy, right. whatever, but I know that's what I would do. Uh, because, and, and it's not wrong. It would be wrong if we attached should, it to... I should question my relationship you, yes, with it yes. and my worth should be outside aware. of it. That's right. If you take if it you away... If you lost it, if you're in a car wreck and you yeah. are losing your legs and you don't get to do cardio anymore, are you going to be okay? Yeah. And we'd like to think we would be. And I think the exercise in, well, let's just see how you are with money. Well, then it brings it down to the question of what... 
What am I dependent on? This kind of comes back to your military question. What am I dependent on for my self-worth to be okay? And what I'm generally going to do is make a list of things and then make sure that I address those. And Melody's saying, just, you don't, it's not, the point is not getting rid of those and being nothing, but can you set those aside and be okay anyways without those things? And I, I, and I would argue maybe not if, if there is not a higher power. And, and our, our culture is going to debate forever, right? Sure. Because like, we can't prove it. Well, we can just it, own it. Instead of trying to prove it, we can own it. I, I can't conceive of it for myself. Right. For me, of the heart. Yeah. I'm going to start there. That yeah. my self-worth is going to be through the lens of there is a God, and I am going to first be aware of my relationship with Him, and then I'm going to have to think about my money and my yeah. marriage and my fatherhood and my job and my all these other things. It does make me think a little bit about you know my kids. Why do they... What value do I have as a father? And to some degree, I think they would say, it's just because you're our father yeah. in the story. Yeah. Oh, is it because of the stuff I buy from you and because I put out, yeah. oh, I don't know. It's just because yeah. you're our father. Would you rather have, but while we're at it, can I have a new Xbox? <laughs> <laughs> okay. True. True. But am I, I, I'm, I have worth to them because of that. I exist and I'm their father. I have worth because I believe you I do have a heavenly father. father. Yeah. Well, and I think everybody's going to have to, and no, everybody gets to grapple with their relationship with themselves, with God and everything else. I don't know a better ending than that. Let's go grapple. We'll go grapple. Two primary translations of this episode are that, yes, we do have some very real and clear needs of relationship with others. That's really the point of life, devotion to others. It's what our hearts long for and what, again, gives us just true purpose and fulfillment. But two big points are we can't really love others fully and even well when we don't love ourselves. Think about your self-talk. Do you think and treat yourself like a scoundrel? And would you want such a scoundrel in the lives of those you love? Or would you want loving, beautiful souls caring for them? Well, then your primary task is to look in the mirror and see yourself, figure out how to do the work to see yourself as a loving and beautiful soul. Not perfect, but good. Which is point two, your self-worth. And it needs to come from yourself. And depending on your faith, it needs to come from your belief in maybe a creator who you have inherent worth in and from. When we neglect these truths, we neglect those we desire to to vote to and love, and we gravitate toward looking to them for our self-worth. Again, it's self-worth, not others' worth, not what others think we're worth, what we think we're worth, which will condemn them if we're looking for for our self-worth from other people. It'll condemn them and us to failure. So go make peace with the person in the mirror. It's dire for the sake of all of us. Thank you, as always, for choosing to tune in to this self-helpful podcast. It'd be great if you would leave a review, tell people what you think about the show, tell me what you think about the show. Best thing you can do is talk about what you heard here with someone else. I sincerely hope here today I've helped you help yourself so that you can help others. <laughs>